Welcoming in the spring. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Pod is sponsored by Fanatis, who allow you to watch Argentine football wherever you are in the world. You can watch the Superliga, the Copa Argentina. Uh, there's a game right on on right now, I should say, uh, as we're recording this, um, or the Copa Superliga and the Copa Superliga. In fact, when it comes to it at the end of the season, um, by going to fntz.co/hop and Using the discount code H-O-P-F-Z, you'll be eligible for a seven-day, I almost said seven-year, which, which would be generous, wouldn't it? For a seven-day free trial, followed by 20% off for your first three months with Fanatis. So get on it. If you're in the United States, then you can also watch the Sudamericana, the Libertadores, and loads of other European competitions live. Um, but the Superliga, etc., are either live or on demand um, for the whole world to watch. So do get on it. That address again is fntz.co slash hop, and the discount code is hopfz. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 356 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly, and I am joined this week by English Dan. Hello and welcome. And Andres. Hello and welcome. Welcome back, both of you. Thank you. We will go through, first of all, the results from the Superliga this weekend. They were as follows. Some of these I'm seeing for the first time, because I didn't get quite as much football this weekend uh, as I meant to, but uh, anyway. Union, nil. Rosario Central, nil. And Argentinos Juniors, three. Central Córdoba, one, were the games on Friday evening. On Saturday, Estudiantes de la Plata, one. Patronato de la Juventud Católica, nil. Uh, one red card for Estudiantes and two for Patronato in that match as well. Defensa y Justicia, nil. Huracán, one. San Lorenzo, nil. Boca Juniors, two. Atlético Tucumán, nil. Independiente, one. On Sunday, Newell's Old Boys, two. Aldo Civi, nil. Godoy Cruz, nil. Banfield, two. Lanús, three. Colón, two. Racing, two. Arsenal de Sarandí, one. And River, one. Vélez Sarsfield, two. And on Monday evening, Tacheres, two. Gimnasia, y Grima La Plata. Or to give them their full name... Diego Maradona's Gimnasia y Grima La Plata won. Uh, so, two consecutive defeats for Maradona. Loads of red cards, because as well as those three in the Estudiantes Patronato game, Huracan uh, also had a man sent <coughs> off. There was a red card apiece in the first half of Racing Arsenal. Uh, Vélez had a man sent off against River, and both Tacheres and Gimnasia mm-hmm. had men sent off, according to this year results. A lot, of, a lot of refereeing controversy as well. Yes. We could see up to three officials um, rested, in inverted commas, mm. for this coming weekend due to their performances over last weekend. Although it is worth pointing out, before we go into what those controversies were, 
that the referee for San Lorenzo versus Boca, Manuel Gigliano, mm-hmm. made quite a big cock up the weekend before and was rewarded with arguably the biggest match. Well, no, definitely the biggest match of what the weekend. What did he do the weekend before? I can't remember, but I can remember loads of people being quite upset that he'd been given the biggest match of the weekend oh. this time around. So the AFA never, or the Super League, I never quite do what we expect them to. Uh, but Dan, tell us about some of these controversies from uh, this weekend. In all fairness, we would, I was talking in about this to uh, to Andres before Sam turned up because he was un, um, unusually tardy. This never happens, of course. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm normally very punctual. Um, Mauro Villano has been signalled for his supposedly atrocious uh, refereeing performance in San Lorenzo Boca, which was really not that bad. Apparently, the two uh, things he got wrong was disallowing a Franco Soldano goal, which I cannot for the life of me remember, or even remember if I've even seen it. That was very early on, wasn't it? Very possibly. Yes, because I didn't yeah. watch the start of that game. I, 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 I think I missed the first five minutes or something and managed to log onto Twitter to see a bunch of people complaining about it. My that, memory serves me right. That was apparently strike one, and his other snafu was failing to send off Carlos Tevez, apparently. Ah, yes, he went up. Diving uh, in on Arias. Cachila uh, Arias. Yes. Ah, uh, yeah. And leaving a big old hole in his sock. Hmm. So that's crimes against laundry. I don't know. Indeed. Crimes against the sand loading to Kit Mania. So that was, yeah, one of the most high profile ones. Uh, Andres Merlos took uh, River Vélez and yeah um, I think in his case gave uh, River he was a little bit more deserving gave River a, a ridiculous penalty in the yes. second half um, which they didn't score from uh, and uh, which a lot of people said was to make up for a penalty which apparently was really clear yes. in the first half and which he hadn't awarded them the compensation of uh, oh I didn't award this penalty and I will award this this one but the one he awarded wasn't of course mm. and as a result uh, uh, Nicolas Dominguez the one who uh, was sent off through a, a second yellow card finally was uh, quit that yellow card so yes it was a second yellow card for handball oh, it's been rescinded uh, and it has been rescinded so he's not suspended mm-hmm. um, he jumped he did have his arms raised but the ball I mean really clearly hit him in the ribs because mm-hmm. his arms were raised up above his head and the ball didn't hit him at head height it hit him at you know rib height or elbow height if his arms had been down by his sides which they weren't so I, I don't know how you give that penalty if there were VAR in the Superliga, then it would have been overruled, presumably. Yes. Uh, although we all know that the VAR is only brought in to favour River, so maybe it wouldn't have been overruled. Um, Definitely not. And, yeah. At least we can say that uh, Venice's goalkeeper got Merlos out of a hole. Yes, we can indeed. Lucas Oshas. Yeah. Oh, very Lucas good. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well done. <laughs> um, and also, less, less people uh, say that the referee was favouring River too much, it's worth mentioning that what proved to be Venice's winner also came from a penalty just a few minutes before. Yes, a uh, fairly in, uh, indisputable one. Yes. From where I was... Uh, no real complaints. Saying. What was the, the disallow, the, the, the river penalty in the first half that wasn't given for them? I, I can't remember. It was Matias Suarez uh, going to the ball fair, uh, previous to, <coughs> to Oshos and Oshos mm. crashed into him or what? It was oh. similar to the Iwains perhaps uh, play against New- Neuer in the 2014 Yes. World Cup, perhaps. Only to without less, with less head contact. Yes. But, yeah. And so that brings us on to uh, incompetent referee number three. 
something, insert first name here, Mastrangila, because I can't remember his first name. Mm. But Hernan? Very possibly. Um, or, as Diego Maradona said, the man who is rubbish, he was born rubbish, and he's going to die rubbish. His name is indeed Hernan, well done, Andres. Very good. Uh, that was, yeah, Maradona's take on this guy who, um, I know he, at least he gave a penalty to Tacheres in once Gimnasio got level to, to let the home side take the lead. I haven't seen the incident, so I wouldn't know if Maradona has cause for complaint or not. No, he then later sent off Andres Cubas of Tacheres. Um, was it a penalty or not? Then? And I've not seen it either. Ah, Andres, no, it was, tell it was, us you saw it. It wasn't. Was. Okay. Uh, and then he sent off Matias Garcia of Gimnasia um, as well, just a couple of minutes after sending off Kubas. And then Dairon Moreno hit the woodwork nine minutes into stoppage time, which perhaps gives some indicator of just how incensed Gimnasia were over this incident. Or perhaps there was just some other really long delay. This is one of the matches I missed. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, there were two injuries, actually. Marco Tosiglieri right at the very beginning of the second half. Uh, and then Javier Gandolfi... Um, got injured four minutes into stoppage time so that might be why there were nine minutes of stoppage time collectively so we so we think that Diego was right to um, to rail against the officiating I mean, has he been punished by any chance or is that a silly has, question has Diego Maradona ever in his life been wrong about anything yes. no That's surely the question no. that we have to ask suddenly for him it was exactly the same result as the other at the previous round because they got the equaliser and then they hmm. they, f- they failed to to keep at least that point uh, but yes, uh, uh, the most noisy, noisier perhaps of all uh, uh, bad uh, uh, matches by the referees was that because it's Maradona, it's Gimnasia, who they who are on the point of, of, of being relegated, and of course the River because it's River against Vélez. But uh, the San Lorenzo against Boca match, I think, is the the the, the least, the less uh, or the, the lowest in terms of. So is this the point in the programme where we're contractually obliged as observers of Argentine football to wring our hands in a kind of flustered, exasperated way and say, the state of football today, these guys just don't learn. This is, this is what the Afro's brought us to. It's all just a fucking mess. We're going to need to tear it all down and start again, starting with the 38-38 vote. It's all gone. Kill, kill, well, kill. Well, it's worth pointing out that none of this now is organised by the AFA anymore, is it? It's the Super League. It doesn't matter. It's Super League, 38, 38. The draw prize. The vote is rigged. Uh, and as a result, it's all much better yeah. and nothing ever goes wrong. Like Donofrio said, we have to put a bomb on the AFA and, and, and build it again. Rebuild it. Crumbs. <laughs> Was this I on Sunday he said it or is it just... No, he said, he said seriously, I think. Then he, of course... Uh, One would hope so. Yeah, even even after some of the things that have been said in the British Parliament today, that would be quite outlandish. Yes, yes, we haven't uh, talked about any of the games sort of in much depth so far. It was a fun way to, I think, change the the focus a little bit, you know? It was indeed. Um, I want to go into a couple, and let's begin with, you know, I've already described it as the biggest game of the weekend, so I suppose we have to start with it, and that's San Lorenzo versus Boca which at the beginning of the weekend, although admittedly not by the time it actually kicked off, uh, was second versus first, um, and saw Boca open up a a pretty comfortable-looking lead now. They still haven't Mm. conceded a goal yet this season. There's six games now, isn't it, in the league? Mm. In in the league, they have, of course, in the Copa Argentina. Um, 
And Andrada broke the record, right? Pardon? Andrada broke. Uh, yes, Andrada is now the the top flight mm-hmm. most uncon. Oh God, I, I have to start that sentence again. Andrada is now the goalkeeper with the longest run without conceding in the in the professional era or in the. History. I think it's still professional. Yeah. Era. Professional era of yeah. the amateur top era, flight as a whole, rather than just the Boca club mm-hmm. record, which we mentioned that he had uh, broken a week or two ago. Yes. Um, so they still have to concede. Han Hurtado, who has been a disappointment so far for Boca, it is fair to say, I'm not even going to ask whether it's fair to say it, I'm just going to state it, uh, came on for Franco Soldano with about eight minutes of the 90 to go and scored his first goal for Boca three minutes into stoppage time, almost the last kick of the game, uh, to get that monkey off his back. Um, and make it 2-0 to Boca. And I think it was fair to say that it's, it's a gloss on the scoreline, even though they had to wait until almost the last kick of the game for the second goal, uh, that Boca really deserved. I mean... Yeah, there's no question San about Lorenzo it. They were a decent superior. side. San Lorenzo were on top for sections of the game. Mm. But overall, Boca just looked, I won't say imperious, but they looked comfortable. Yeah, they never looked in danger of, uh, of giving it away. And I think San Lorenzo are going to be... We'll feel a little bit disappointed with themselves because, you know, going into the game within touching distance of of the summit, playing in front of your own fans with plenty of talent in the team, and it just didn't happen to them. They they got sucked in, I think, to playing Boca's game, just kind of trying to pump the ball down the wings and rely on someone like someone like Oscar Romero, who's a fantastic player, but stranded out on the right with. Uh, free Boca markers in close attention pretty much any time he touched the ball you kind of felt this going to be an apple struggle for him and that was kind of true for for the entire San Lorenzo team they just didn't uh, get room to breathe they didn't they couldn't find a way uh, through the Boca defence I think I can remember all of two shots and targets probably from San Lorenzo even though they did, as Sam says, control kind of possession, territory, what have you, for, for spells of the game at least. Um, yeah, and Boca never really looked like, uh, like losing their lead. Yes, Boca, I think that at, at this point, uh, no doubt that, I, that they, they are playing with this style that we discussed the, the, the previous episode, which some may like, some others may, may not don't like, but they play well like this. Giving the protagonism to the other team, going to a counter-attack and being reliable and confident that they are, they won't perhaps concede goals or they are quite solid that we we are not covering anything. Yeah. So the key to getting the result against Boca seems to be don't concede first against them. But that's an incredibly difficult thing to do. It's it's even yes. more difficult to score first against them when they just they're not yes. conceding any goals. But Boca have at this point a great defense. A great goalkeeper and a great, great uh, offensive players. They perhaps are lack of of that playmaking, but it's they perhaps they are comfortable like this and, mm-hmm. and and it's right for them because they are they are uh, of course as, as they either as they haven't as they didn't concede goals they are they haven't lost and uh, uh, they look they look good at this point. I mean, it says it all. In Argentine football, if you've got a club that has uh, Daniele De Rossi and Carlos Tevez on the bench, 
Yeah. What more can you say? Actually, this is something that, that we um, mentioned just before we put the microphone on. You, Andres was telling us that De Rossi is expected to be called up for the next Italy squad. Uh, which just seems weird because he's, he's not really playing for Boca. It, mm. it seems like having his initial arrival, he was heralded and it was like, oh, he's not playing this game because he's not match fit yet. And then he played a couple of games. And now that sort of starting base of midfield is Marconi... Marconi, sorry, um, alongside one of the other blokes, right? Like it, it was Capaldo. Capaldo. He's played very well so the last couple of games. Capaldo is ahead of De Rossi, or De Rossi was with not at his 100%. Perhaps. Well, this is what I'm wondering because I've not, you know, I, I don't follow Boca as, as closely as anybody else. I think he must be, be injured at the moment because he wasn't even on the bench, in fact, on Sunday. But it, it doesn't seem to have really gone very commented upon the fact that they made all this fuss about bringing him in and now he's not playing. <laughs> I think he was saying, well, Zlatan. it's all got all about Zlatan now, right? I mean, who's definitely oh, yeah. coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be Jean uh, Hurtado's uh, second string. Mm. Well, but... Um, uh, this was actually... Who was, who was the striker? No, yeah, you're quite right. That, that's, Dan's not joking there. Um, Ibrahimovic has been linked to Boca today, at least in the Argentine press. His Supposedly he's to... desperate to come. He's... And then the opposition... The opposition candidate for president came out and said, if he gets in, they're going to buy Lucas Torreira from Arsenal, Diego Godin, uh, some other ridiculous player. And he said that if he was in charge instead of Ankelisi, uh, Danny Elvis would have started, would have signed this out this winter as well. So yeah, I see. I mean, okay, fine, good. <laughs> sure. Glad yeah. to hear that. Um, what was I going to say? Just, just that. Who, who's the Argentine um, striker who, who was nicknamed Slatan a couple of years ago? Fernandez. His supposed Zlatan physical Fernandez. resemblance. Slatan Fernandez, but uh, yeah. Yes. Well, why don't, I'm wondering whether he's been linked to Boca, and the press have just got a bit confused and been like, "Oh, Ibrahimovic is coming." Who the fuck is Slatan Fernandez? There was somebody. There was somebody. Yeah, I think it was yes. Fernandez, right? Was was I can't remember what his actual first name is now though. And he he got the nickname because everybody was like, "Oh, look, he looks like Ibrahimovic," which just meant he had a big nose, basically. It was quite tall. <laughs> As far as I can tell. Um, Who did look, he play for? I'm trying to locate this No, guy. I can't remember either. Shall, shall, we, shall we Google him? I think it's worth... He just came into my head in that yeah. second. I thought, oh, maybe it's... I mean, that's a nickname that makes Juan Chope Avila look almost sensible. Jose Carlos Fernandez Piedra is a Peruvian footballer. That's the name oh, that comes up when I Google it. I'm sure he was Argentine. That was... Jose Carlos... No, okay. He's Peruvian. This is the blog. Since San Lorenzo, possibly? Four. It might not even be an Argentine club now. I might have heard of him via the Libertadores. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's played for Sport Corpsol Trujillo, Sport Corpsol, Universidad de San Martín, Universidad Cesar Vallejo, FBC Melgar, Coronel Bolognesi, Cienciano, all of these are Peruvian clubs. This one's not. Chernomorets Odessa in Ukraine, Cercle Brugge. In Belgium, Alianza Lima, Deportivo Quito, ah, Argentino Juniors, there we go. Ah, in 2012-13 and 2013-14, he played a few matches and looked terrible. No goals That's in eight true. games. And then Sporting Cristal, Real Garcilaso, Deportivo Municipal, Sport Bancasho, Carlos Manucci. A total of 90 goals in 417 matches. Not quite up to Ibrahimovic's level, but maybe... Nah. He's maybe had more clubs than Zlatan, at least, I think. Possibly, yeah. yeah, he's got to be up there, hasn't he? Um, may, maybe Boca want to sign him? Maybe, And, sure. and the press just got confused. I'm not sure why Boca would want to sign him. <laughs> <laughs> he 
it wasn't very good. But anyway, um, yeah. Right. So or that's welcome. Mauro Boselli instead of Mauro Icardi, it's a Mauro. Indeed. Yes. Yeah. If, if you can think of any ridiculous names to link with Boca Juniors in the next transfer window, tweet them in. Yeah, why not? Done. But yeah, anyway. Um, Independiente, we did not mention. They're the only one of the big five who we haven't already mentioned on the podcast. So really quickly, they got a 1-0 win away to Atletico Tucumán. Um, which I think they kind of deserved for about the first hour or so. And then... Aside from the first five minutes where we had absolutely no idea what was happening. Yes. At all. Yeah, yeah. It was just a very thick fog (laughs) of... Well, fog. We Uh, talk about referees, but we're not going to talk about the fact that the ref... That was Pitana, right? I think. Pitana made him kick off. In, in that smug and was, no yeah, one no. could see anything and, and they're not supposed I mean, to have fireworks in the stadiums at the moment yeah. but apparently in Tucumán this is fine but is that, an an a- is that an AFA directive or is that a provincial directive I think it's a, a federal isn't it I thought it was the I mean security tends to go for it, it does tend to be provincial doesn't tends it? to be right, provincial yeah. um, and I think Atletico Tucumán's president is something pretty high up in Tucumán's government. So uh-huh. don't hold your breath for any investigation is all I'm going to say. I won't say any more about it. Anyway, Independiente um, managed seven shots, of which only one was on target, and they scored from it. Atletico Tucumán had 13 shots, of which only four were on target, and I think that most of those shots were probably in the last half hour. Um, because Independiente, as I say, for about the first hour, I think they just about deserved to be 1-0 up. And then after taking the lead, which they actually did just over an hour in, 62 minutes, when Sebastián Palacios came up with a, a lovely finish to, uh, to give them the lead, they did everything that they could to chuck that lead away. And Atletico Tucumán just couldn't do it. But it's a really important win for yes. Sebastián Becasis yes, because it gets him some, some breathing space. The way he celebrated at the end was clear. But it was very, very important. And, but the, play, the one who made that lovely play... Finished, only finished by, by Palacios was Figal, the one mm. who I wonder why he was has been called up for the national team. And well, Figal Beckenbauer, as they're yes. now calling him. Yes. After, so after, that one run from <laughs> after his play, which ended with the goal of Palacios, uh, pa, uh, Planeta Gold, the, the, the good uh, taste sports TV show, uh, made a special with goals. V, v good t- yeah. taste sports TV show, yeah. A special with uh, goals that ended with. Uh, that started with, with plays from, from centre-backs mm. and it was Baresi there. So Figal started this. And they did it 24 hours early because this is a perfect segue into River Plate versus Vélez in which Vélez won 2-1 but River scored the best goal. Mm. And, and um, uh, Lucas Martínez Cuarta... Martínez two apes, as we can call it. Yes, I think we can. Would you like to explain that joke now? Um, I noticed on Sunday for some reason, probably because I was just bored, that Martinez Cuarta only puts Martinez on his uh, shirt. He doesn't use both of his double-barreled surname. But Cuarta in Spanish means quarter. His number is 28. Uh, two eights is a quarter. So I was wondering, is he is showing uh, his second surname numerically, kind of in a fractional form? And we've and decided, we decided both Dan yes. and I have agreed on Twitter that it's probably not the case, but we really love it to be. Yes, I, I really hope that we. Lucas, can, if you're listening, he gets interviewed at some confirm. point. He confirms this. Um, but yeah, he ran from around the halfway line or something. It was around about three minutes. He dribble, just yes. turned into a, a left winger and then yeah. squared it for. Was it Ignacio Fernandez? It yes. was, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, who later had his penalty saved uh, in the 90th minute? 
um, to, to tap home. It was a lovely goal to make it at the time 1-1 um, before Thiago Almada scored. There was quite a lot of talk afterwards about the fact that Belles, um stuck to their guns and have played wonderful football all of this season so far and did the same thing and went toe-to-toe with River. And I thought, well, largely speaking, that's bollocks, actually. They did. Yes. What I did think it showed, though, was the versatility that Gabriel Hainsey is starting to show in some of the matches because this was clearly a game where he said if we go toe-to-toe with River then the same thing is going to happen to us that happened to Rasik and Rakan. you know we talked about that last week mm-hmm. um, so let's try and play a little bit more of an intelligent game which they did and it worked tremendously they, they got perhaps a little bit fortunate but they fully deserved um, th- that good fortune in my opinion yeah. yes very very effective um, yeah the first goal was perhaps lucky in terms of the how the the play uh, uh, was uh, developed but uh, in the end I think it, even when River perhaps deserved at least a draw uh, well it's a prize for them for Vélez because what they had been doing before perhaps not for this match especially mm. but they, they proved that they can play really decent football with kids or well now it's mixed with some other that which are who are the, the, uh, kids like Bousat like uh, uh, Gaston Jiménez is. Mm. yeah uh, well, so it's like a... Maxi Romero coming um, back in where he's got yes. a bit of experience in Europe, but I mean, even he's still only like 24 or something, isn't he? Yeah, he's not, not the oldest. Yes. Um, How did Fernando Gago do? I wasn't... He was injured, I think. He was had a, no, you're fucking with me. Yes. He got injured? No, but not... Uh, not yes. He I was just going to say, I was just going to congratulate him for getting I'm through correct. a game against River without being injured. I'm, I'm going to correct myself very quickly before we go on. Maxi Romero is actually only 20, That's so oh. he's much younger than I thought. And yeah, Fernando Gago... Um, was is injured rather than got injured in this game he, he didn't feature oh he um, was down to play yeah well, I think okay, I read, he might not be injured then but he wasn't in the squad yeah I read earlier on Sunday morning and they had him in the team he's not in the starting lineup, and the bench was Alexander Dominguez the goalkeeper obviously Alexander Dominguez and then Tomas Guidara Francisco Ortega Thiago Almada they were the subs who made it onto the pitch uh, Alvaro Barreal, Cristian Núñez, and Leandro Fernández. Not, that, not oh, a severe, go. not a severe uh, injury. injury I wonder why I didn't see him on the pitch. I must say because it was Sunday night, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, and I'd read Ole on Sunday morning, and they had him in the team. Ne- never, never read Ole done. Yeah, I was having a coffee, and it was in the bar. No, no, but in this case, I don't, I don't say that Ole is great, but I think he this injury was uh, at like before the match or something yes. mm-hmm. along those lines. Right. So that's why he didn't make much of an impact. Indeed. Um, but he didn't get injured in the against River, which is a bonus. Yes, it is. Yes. It, it's Breaking uh, the great achievement for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lanús versus Colón. This is a match I only actually saw the second half of, um, which means that I saw Nicolas Leguizamón make it 3-1 to Lanús. And then mm-hmm. I saw... Uh, sorry, uh, Nicolas Leguizamón make it 3-1 to Lanús by pulling one back for yes. Colón. In other words, I switched on and Lanús were 3-0 up. Um, I then saw Ligi Simon and Matthias Fritzler against his old club who never scores but he scored against Lanús um, score with 11 minutes to go and set up a dramatic finish Colón fully deserved to win that second half 2-0 I apologise for the dog in the background it's not our fault um, Lanús were doing everything that they could Lanús were doing everything that they could uh, to, to chuck away that lead that they began with and Colón the reason that I wanted to bring them up is we forgot to mention them last week they they're playing week? in the Copa Sudamericana oh, yes. semi-final. Oh. They're, they're involved in their first ever um, continental 
semi-final. They won it last Thursday night, 2-1 at home to Atletico Mineiro. They'll be playing in the second leg on Thursday night, and we haven't given them any praise. So, Colón... Praise, praise. Unlucky on, what was it, Saturday, um, for, for the 3-2 defeat. But, you know, they had their eyes on other things, I imagine. They, they were concentrating at least a little bit. Um, That's why they play with reserves against. Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah, uh, Nicolas Leguizamon, Marondalus, who I've never heard of up front. Chancalai was subbed off early. And then, yeah, sort of old guys and, and reserves. No, some very notable names in the Colón squad, such as Luis Rodriguez, most obviously. Mm-hmm. And Wilson Morello was only on the bench. Rodriguez wasn't even in the squad. Um, so, Colón, we will be fully behind you on Thursday night mm. uh, against Atletico Mineiro, although I suspect they're not going to get through. Cause it's going to be that away. Yeah. Funnily enough, I did the opposite to you on, on Friday. I watched quite a bit the first half. Lanús were absolutely walking it. It was catastrophic for Colón. I mean, it was 3 0 in the first half, but it could easily have been 6. Uh, Lanús just waltzing through. Uh, and they got to half time. It's like, am I going to keep watching this now? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. This game's <laughs> over, whatever. But in the and end, yeah. it was very inter- entertaining. I don't know. If so. Very well played, but entertaining. Okay, according to the stats that I'm looking at, Lanús had 14 shots with three on target in the first half, and in the second half, they had three shots and one on target. And for Colón, the, yeah, I think the difference the wasn't first quite half that as well. Much, he hit the bar twice and missed an open goal. It was, it was dominating. Yeah, yeah, hit the woodwork. Once three big chances according to Sofa three big Sofa score, of which two were scored and one was missed. Seemingly, uh, yeah. Um, other notable results. I'm not sure that I can pick any of the others out as being particularly notable. We've already mentioned Gimnasia Tacheres, of course, and the other teams down there in the relegation zone. Argentinos got a win over Central Cordoba. That's a bit of a point sixer. Um, and there's a team I think which is Racing. One. I don't know if it's particularly notable though. I'll talk about it if you want. I mean, I guess. Go on. What, what did you make of Racing's two-one win over Arsenal? Then it was we Racing's. Chance, so we should talk about it, shouldn't we? I mean, it was Racing's third win in a row. Uh, always welcome after failing to win in the first four games, kind of getting out of that slump early it was, on. It, it happened after uh, conceding an equaliser with only ten men on the pitch, although. You were also playing against 10 men because Arsenal had had a man sent off as well. Indeed. Um, let me try and remember what the hell happened. Uh, Dario Spitanic gave you the lead after 26 yes, minutes. Franco Spudoni, Spudoni was sent off for violent conduct uh, mm. for Arsenal a couple of minutes after that. Then Neri Dominguez got a second yellow card yes. for Racing. Pretty good guy. I mean, I think he was on the pitch, what, half an hour? Uh, 34 minutes. 34 minutes. Yeah. Uh, Nicolas Jimenez equalised 10 minutes into the second okay. half cracking free kick possibly the best goal really of, good, the, yeah. uh, of the weekend yeah. and then Lisandro Lopez who else got the win yes ten uh, two set pieces from Racing uh, to go with the one they also scored against Gimnasia the previous week was the goal against River from a set piece as well the goal against River was open play oh it was wasn't it yes yeah, of course it, was, it was a very nice goal uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, their kind of prowess at set pieces has been kind of one of the hallmarks of this Racing Calvet era. Uh, it kind of tailed away a little bit. Uh, they weren't getting that many, but it seems that they've um, they've coordinated again, and this is going to be a uh, a fruitful source of goals, which is good. I'm I'm happy. 
Good. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm glad to hear you're happy. Wins are, wins are good. That's going to be my, my expert analysis on that game. There we go. Uh, the points table then looks like... I just remembered that the app I use doesn't have the relegation table, so I've just been trying to get Promietos up so that we've got both of them. Uh, the, the championship table is Boca top on 17 points. Tacheres following that win over Diego Maradona's Gimnasia Prima La Plata. Uh, a second with 16 points. Argentinos Juniors a third with 15 points. Lanusa fourth with 14 points. Newell's San Lorenzo and Vélez are fifth, sixth and seventh, all with 13 points. Arsenal and Racing are eighth and ninth respectively with 12 points each. And then from 10th on down, you get the teams who aren't taking it as seriously, or at least one team who aren't taking it very seriously, in spite of what their manager claims. River a 10th, Central are 11th, and Patronato are 12th, or with 11 points. I won't go any further down. It's quite amazing that with three wins, three draws and a defeat, I believe Racing are still with a negative goal difference. All this, thanks to one that they started winning. Facing. Yes, indeed. Yeah, They've scored 10 and conceded 11. Yeah. They yeah. won all of the matches before, uh, after... Losing 6-1, right? The, these three matches were after um, the... I bel- no, I think they drew a game afterwards. Oh. The draw after was the opening really game. Oh, no, you, oh. you've got more than one, uh, one game. Let's see, hang on. Racing. I believe they drew to Central Corva following that river game. They did. Oh, yes. The recent form is a draw with Union. That was the opening game. That was the opener. A draw with Belas. Defeat to River. A draw with Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero, and then since then it's a win against Godoy Cruz, a win against Diego Maradona's Gimnasia Grima La Plata, and a win against Arsenal. There we go. In the relegation table, um, it is topped by Boca Juniors, uh, racing a second still in spite of their iffy form so far. I think they're probably safe from relegation. Excellent. Arsenal. Okay, obviously I'm not going to read all the way down the relegation table, but I started at the top. For this reason, Arsenal, in spite of that uh, defeat uh, this weekend, still have 12 points from seven games. They're still up in fourth. Mm-hmm. So at the moment, nowhere near the relegation battle. But of course, that could change. We all change. know that could change. It's looking to me, as I said after the first couple of rounds, though, as if they're going to get a decent handle and get the results against at least the teams they should beat after that start and be well clear of it. Uh, in the relegation zone, Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero uh, and Gimnasia are the only two clubs who don't yet have a point a game. Central Córdoba have five points from seven games. Gimnasia have 57 points from 59 matches, which puts them now 12 points behind Central. I think when Maradona took charge, we said they were 10 points off safety, didn't, didn't they? 10 uh, or 11, yeah. And it's now 13 points off safety because Patronato are on 70 points. Central in the relegation zone on 69, all from 59 games. Uh, Newell's have 71 of course and to have a game in hand against Independiente if they were to lose that then they would drop a, well they drop a couple of places they go level with Banfield and Colón um, who are immediately below them Aldo Sivia sandwiched in between that lot with 38 points from 32 games um, so at the moment Gimnasia still look doomed to me and, and they've got fewer of yes. games to play uh, do if you're a betting person then it seems like a good thing to do with Gimnasia's games is to bet on them conceding first and then equalising and then losing 2-1 because that's what they've done in is that both a bet that exists games can so you do that probably yeah. you can probably work out an, an accumulator or something. I, I think like, you can certainly bet on who scores first and on, yeah. who, on, on the final score yeah. so that's pretty much all you need yeah. yeah I think that even with the club they are they are being so far they have been so far 
they will get, I think, one point uh, on, on Saturday as they play River, with, who will play clearly with very, very uh, yes. reserves. Uh, River and Boca and possibly Colón. Although, having said that, when are the Sudamericana semi? Uh, when's the Sudamericana final? Tomorrow. Final. Ah, uh, final. Ah, uh, sorry. I don't it's know. not next week, is it? So Colón might might feel the full strength side this coming weekend. We'll have to see. Um, but River and Boca will both definitely be, be fielding reserve teams uh, this weekend because next week is the Copa Libertadores mm. semi-final Super Clásico first leg it's the 9 of November the, that's the, the day of the final Saturday that's a massive gap between semi-finals and final being played in it? Asunción Paraguay <laughs> that's a month and a half yes, yes. seems a bit so, mad Quite but fun. then this is a competition where they have like three months between the first round and the second round. Some of the Nothing about the Sudamericana makes sense. No, um, anyway, on that note, we're going to take a half-time break, refill our glasses, and when we come back, uh, we'll talk about something else. I think we're going to have to do a little bit of a super semi-final preview. Preview, we will, because we've got somebody who's going to it. Indeed. In the room at the moment, and whose opinion we will be wanting on it this time next week, so don't go away. Whether he wants to give it or not is another question. Yeah, that's true. of the podcast for the rest of this season from next week I would like to begin a few minutes at least of uh, us talking about the Primera Femenina the season started at the weekend the women's first division we're not going to do that this week because that's going to be our topic for Hand Pod Extra this week to give our Patreon supporters a little bit of an extra um, preview of it let's say if you want to become a Patreon supporter then you can head over to patreon.com slash hand of pod and do so Dan's waving his hands at me did we mention our sponsor at the start of the podcast we didn't no I just remembered that as I was talking and I'm going to have to put something in and edit it in later on which is going to add about half an hour to my working time tonight which I'm quite annoyed by Um, but I'm just going to repeat it now anyway as it's the first time that I've said it this evening even though hopefully it won't be the first Mm -hmm. time you're hearing it if I remember on the podcast um, that we are sponsored by Fanatis which unfortunately doesn't have the rights to the Primera Femenina, but it does have the rights to show the Superliga, the Copa Argentina. We're watching one of those games right now. Um, it's not between two teams that most of you will have heard of, so we're not going to mention it in much detail. Um, and the Copa Superliga around the world outside Argentina. It's an ideal service for those of you who are listening to this podcast. And if you're in the United States, then you can also... Catch the Copa Libertadores, the Copa Sudamericana, uh, Ligan, La Liga, and loads of other competitions live. Uh, the Argentine competitions are all available on demand as well, um, all around the world. And you can get 20% off as well as a, 20% off your first three months, as well as a seven-day free trial by going to fntz.co slash hop and using the discount code. H-O-P-F-Z. I did read in one of our replies or something on our Twitter feed that a testimony from a happy customer 
he signed up. Yes, indeed. With I just fanatics. I retweeted it as we were starting. Thanks to us, yes. and he's delighted. And for our friends in the United States, this will be a particularly good time to to subscribe because you'll do it just in time for River Walker. Yes, that's true, yeah, in the, in the Libertadores, which yes. we're now going to talk about. So as I say, we're, we're going to be dedicating this start of the second half um, in the future to a bit of coverage, more than anything because the Primera Femenina now, um, as I mentioned, it's, it's sadly not available on Fanatis, but TNT Sports have decided to pick up four matches each weekend. Um, and I put weekend in inverted commas because, in fact, Boca versus River yesterday was played on, on Tuesday and there was, there was a game Friday earlier to today. Tuesday, yeah. There was a game earlier today. Why oh, really? Piso versus Independiente was, was the last game of the weekend earlier this afternoon. Um, and a lot of the games that aren't have until now been shown on a YouTube channel, which you can watch anywhere you are around the world, um, called Vamos Las Pibas. Uh, check my Twitter profile for a couple of links to recent matches. But today... They weren't allowed to show why Orquiza versus Independiente. They were told just before kickoff that they couldn't show the games. So they had to tilt their cameras upwards and just show the stands whilst commentating. I'm not sure why the AFA have made that decision. Seems a bit counterintuitive to me. But uh, there we go. And anyway, we'll talk in more detail about the women's stuff uh, on Handapod Extra this week, Andres. Anyway, then TNT Sports and, and Fox Sports don't have the rights either, or they have the rights for. Four matches, I think. Yeah, TNT have said they want to take four games each weekend, and they showed four this this past weekend against one of them was on Tuesday. Um, but uh, yeah, Fox, as far as I'm aware, are not taking any of them. It's just all going to be on TNT. Uh, but the other games, as I say, until now, have been streamed on YouTube. But anyway, this bit of the podcast in future will be uh, five or ten minutes of discussion on that. Um, but for this week, we're going to preview River Plate versus Boca Juniors, the first leg. Of the 2019 Copa Libertadores semi-final. I'm clarifying this because perhaps some of you are finding this in the future um, and are getting confused about what year we were recording this in because it seems now like River and Boca meet every year or every other year in the Copa Libertadores at some stage or in, another. In fact, Fox Sports is, is a previewing, I think it's, it's a good game to call it a new season because it's like a new season. Yes, it is. Um, What's going to happen? We can at least... Most open question possible to start breathing. I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this time the game will actually be played. Both uh, of them? I can't speak for both of them, but let's take it one there's, game at a time, there, I think. There's a Boca supporting regular at my, at my local who came up to me a few weeks ago and who made a point of telling me I think if River win the first leg by two or more goals that their, their buses are going to be allowed into La Boca for the return leg <laughs> and, and we'll get kicked out again he said to me oh, and I was like yeah. really? <laughs> like, yeah. okay you don't, you don't think they're going to be interested in taking the moral high ground or anything you know, as they perceive no. it but. <laughs> yes if that, if that happens River players will have to go with helmets or something because mm. it will be really hard anyway Dan sorry I interrupted you uh, yes, I'm fairly confident they're actually going to be able to play a Libertadores game at the Monumental this time around. Uh, not least because if it happens again, I mean, it'll just be the most incompetent thing ever seen on the, on the part of uh, Buenos Aires' security authorities. Yeah. Once, I mean, once might fairly... be incompetence or it might be conspiracy, but twice would be stupid even well, if it was conspiracy. Yes, just... <laughs> Recently, there recently there have been a problem with the other with the province's uh, security uh, officers. 
Ah, yes, it's happened in the River game against Cruz, the Copa Argentina, which we weren't aware of when we recorded. No, the game was just about to start, but yeah. the images kind of filtered through afterwards, where uh, on the one hand, I think up to 50 River Barras... 51. 51 were, were detained. I think most of them were already on the street by now. Uh, and for some reason, that meant that other fans had to be chased... Shot at, gassed, clubbed. And there were also reports in the days afterwards, I think the last of them were released on Monday, that a bunch of, not Badras, but fans who didn't have anything to do with the Badra, um, had been detained by police and kept in cells. It was, but in most case, cases, yes. for longer than the Badras were. Yeah. Um, One of them was without because any contact knows. with their families or anything. There were yes. written notes being passed via prison guards, but they weren't allowed to actually speak to one another. I love it. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Well, anyway, let's yes. uh, focus on the match, okay. shall we? Um, Lucas, I honestly think we're going to see a similar game to the one we just saw in the Monumental, which I, was, of course, a nil-nil draw between the two teams. I, I think, think we might, especially when you look at the, the injury um, lists on both sides. Mm-hmm. I, I think one of the things that could have opened it up, as I said, after that nil-nil draw in the league a couple of weeks ago, uh, a couple of weeks ago three weeks ago four weeks ago um, is that if Juan Fernando Quintero was back then that was one of the factors that would massively change um, the dynamic of the game and if Ramon Abina was back then that also might change and I, it looks like neither of them are going to make it I mean Quintero's definitely out for next week mm-hmm. he might make the second leg and Abina I've not heard any optimistic Optimistic optimism. Optimism is the word I was optimism. after there. I decided to change the word I was aiming at halfway through saying the word, optimism. which is never a good strategy. Uh, from Abila, I regarding Abila, I haven't heard any optimism from Boca sources. No, no, and, be, and besides the injuries, I I don't see what Alfaro's incentive would be to change a tactic which is getting results, which has yeah. his team top of uh, Superliga unbeaten without conceding a single goal, um, and which got him a result that he would. Presumably, be happy enough with yeah to be repeated this time. Of course, it would be nice from his point of view if Boca could snatch an away goal as well towards the end. But presumably, playing relatively safety first for the first 60, 70 minutes and then chucking it forward and seeing. Yeah, taking the second leg to the Bombonera with it level uh, nil nil, I think, would suit him absolutely down to the ground. He wouldn't have any problem with that whatsoever. And and if they can snatch a 1 0 or even if they go all out for an away goal and end up conceding and drawing 1 1. Um, in, in trying then that's still not a bad result from not a bad result at all no um, I can't see him going all out for a goal though to be honest no I, I mean all out I mean sort of you know chucking a few more things forward in the last 20 minutes or so of the game yeah and, and maybe opening up some space and I'd even go further and say that the team which could be more hesitant about how to play how to approach this um this first leg would would be River um, because it's a tough balance to to strike between you know you know that on the other side of the pitch you've got a team that hasn't conceded a single goal to anyone even yourselves and on your side you've got a defence that hasn't exactly uh, looked well beaten I think that's fair to say um, on River's behalf they've especially at home this season they away they've been fantastic absolutely um, that's curious ruthless yeah, for, for at all home there have been some very uh, questionable displays for all that we were praising Lucas Martinez Cuarta um, earlier on and, and for all that I think he has 
come on a lot and, and mm-hmm. deserves his place as a unit. Rivers defence ha- hasn't not looked the most best settled, has it? No, he he, yeah. he slipped when uh, Thiago Almada uh, was face to face with with Armani, who finally uh, made the penalty, mm. and that was a clear uh, key mistake. Of course, then he showed uh, before this this mistake, he showed uh, uh, quite solid defense and even. even Participating in attack uh, with the goal uh, at the goal for River, but uh, yes, it's no secret that Boca are, are uh, I think, at this point, more reliable team. It's that been isolated moments which have let River's defence down. Yeah. But of course, when you're in defence, that's the whole point, isn't it? That's you know, pretty much. Yeah. If you play terribly it, yeah. all game, then you're going to get thrashed. But in a big game where the, the the edges are razor sharp, as it were, you can still lose it by. Falling asleep for a split second. Yes. So yep. if you're Marcelo Gallardo, how do you play this game? Do you go hard? Do you go out from the first minute to get a couple of goals, give yourself a cushion in the bombonera? Or do you play a little bit a la Boca, let's say, um, wait for your opportunities, try and draw them out? Well, how, how do you approach this game? A, a lot depends on how much he's trusting Nicolas de la Cruz to... This is always one of his good games. Uh, <laughs> given, obviously, as, as we say, that Quintero isn't going to be there and even if Quintero you know was it would be his first game in 10 months or something wouldn't it um, yes it would be rather unfair to expect him to um, so a lot depends back. on that I, I, I'd be inclined to potentially try and draw Boca out of it be a little bit slower in possession pass it sideways a little bit more still relatively high up the pitch but try and draw them out and, and open up some space for Rafael Santos Borre and Ignacio Fernandez to run into to use their pace um, but against this Boca side who are very disciplined if nothing else um, it's going to be difficult to do indeed Andres how you're Gacharro you're going to be at the game what are you going to be screaming at him to do from from the rafters of uh, I I won't change anything uh, uh, related to the last matches played against Boca especially in in Copa matches Mm -hmm. uh, trying to do the same because it it, what what, what gives you good results uh, why change the, 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 those things? I, I think one thing that they could change from the league game, though, is in, in football manager terms, is <laughs> take away that seeming order uh, that I thought that there was in, in, in the league game to shoot on sight. They, they need to be a little bit more patient with when they shoot because they, were, they had yes. a whole bunch of... I, I can't remember what the stats exactly were, but like River had, what, 18 shots or something against Boca a few weeks ago. And I swear the majority of them were from well outside the box like 20, mm-hmm. yes. 25 yards or more and you Which just think you know, sometimes uncommon. maybe it's worth hanging on to it a little bit longer making the extra pass trying to put somebody yes. in a better position that's uncommon that's not usual yeah. to have so and, and many it, and it's because Boca yes. were, were how defending against yeah. two backs yes. of four very very yes. disciplined yes. compact but about the, the formation there were rumours of course Gachardo won't be, even won't talk to the, to the journalists in the press conference because mm. He doesn't want the focus to be on the Boca matches because they have to play. Good luck. <laughs> Which is, of course, maybe ridiculous, but he he won't talk. Uh, uh, uh. It's not ridiculous. It's just uh, it's just not going to happen, um, is it? <laughs> Optimistic. Optimistic. <laughs> yes. But anyway, there were rumors. Apparently, journalists who have have watched have watched the the the, the, the trainings or have information about it say that injuries could make Gachardo surprise and uh, make the team play like they played against Boca in the first final with five defenders mm-hmm. uh, to have more space uh, to, yeah. through, through the sides 
and make uh, Casco and uh, Martinez, you know, Montiel play yeah. more in the middle than in the defence. Yeah, I think if there's anywhere that Boca can be got at, it would be down the flanks because probably their only weak link, if you look at all the names in the squad, like their fullbacks, probably are a smidgen below the kind of the level of the rest of the team. I think that's fair. Even when yeah. we were praising Frank Fabra towards the start of the season, saying that he could be playing his way back into the first eleven, which I think he did. Yes. He, he's always been an attack better minded. going forward yes. than, than in defence. Yeah. So I think that that's fair. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Um, what chance do we give whoever comes out of this semi-final, um, whether it's River or Boca, in the first ever? single match Libertadores mm. final my opinion I'm going to state it again I've been saying it since the quarter finals is that whoever comes out of this half of the draw is going to be favourites in the final you think um, but in a one-off final it's obviously always much more difficult to call when mm. you know than, than it is over two legs where normally the better team will, is more likely mm. to win over two legs um, but I, I, I still think that whichever of River or Boca win are going to be favourites against either Flamengo or Gremio I would have agreed with you possibly two months ago, but now I'm not so sure. Because on the other half of the, the draw, the other semi-final, let's say, you've got on one side Flamengo, who are in absolutely fantastic form. I think they've won something silly like their last eight or nine games on the bounce. Um, and they've come on leaps and bounds. I know they had a pretty shoddy group stage, but... Um, Jorge, Jorge Jesus came in, the, uh, the famed ex-Benfica coach. Yes, and he's Portuguese, uh, in case you're yes, thinking, hang on a second, he's not Brazilian, is he? No, he's not. He is not, but he has come in and he's worked wonders with the team. Uh, they're now top of the Brasileiro. Um, they coasted into the, into the semi-finals, I think, the last 16 in quarters they won... Fairly, uh, fairly emphatically. I've just got their recent form up, and they have won eight of the last nine. Yeah. The one that they didn't was a draw with Internacional, which, which was, was I think, the second leg of yes. the, cup, uh, the Brazilian Cup semi-final. With a two nil. No, the, oh, sorry, the Libertadores quarter With a two nil yeah. first leg win in, yeah. in the bank. Yeah. They so that's going to be very tough. They've got a hell of a lot of uh, class in their team. They've got uh, Felipe Luis, yes. uh, Brazil international. They've got. Uh, Gabigol, Gabriel Barbosa, yes. Georgian Diarraqueta, okay. uh, the Uruguayan youngster. Went for defence of Sporting and lit the competition up when they got to the semis in about 2014 or something like that. Was that the Sudamericana? I can't remember. Oh, it might have been the Sudamericana. Yeah. That makes more sense, doesn't it? He's a very good player uh, in any case. Uh, yeah, it's a team that's packed with, um, with talent. And But then on the other side, you got Gremio. And Gremio's Cup uh, pedigree st- speaks for itself. They've been semi-finalists for the last three seasons running. A winner of 2017. Winner in 2017. Very difficult to beat yes. with a, a wily old coach in Renato Portolupi. I'm really going all out into town with these difficult names. I'm loving it. You're enjoying it. it. I, I am. I'm, I'm in my element. It might be because I'm getting stuck into my f- second finette, but, but it's going well. Um, yeah, I must say, I think, whichever of those four teams, um, whichever two end up in the final, I think the final should be an absolute cracker and I would be tempted to see it a little bit more uh, more 50-50 than, than yourself. They've played 
in the semi-final Defensor Sporting of the 2014 Copa Libertadores against Did Nacional. So Nacional obviously then went on to lose the final against San Lorenzo. Oh, yeah. My, my memory was, I'm amazed I to say. Very impressed, Sam. Very <laughs> impressed indeed. Anyway. Are we going to hazard, um, hazard predictions for this first leg? Since it doesn't come under the remit of Mystic Sam? I think that, it, yes, we are, because we're, it's going to happen between now and the next week's recording, yes. isn't it? So I'm going to go for a draw. And, of course, the crucial thing with the way goals being counted is, is it going to be a score draw? I think you're going to have to, you're gonna have to so risk it. So I think it. we're going for actual scores. Yes. I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. I think that Alfaro yeah. is going to get that result that I think he'd be mm. happy with. I think after everything we said about uh, Boca's um, excellent record, there's River are going to win 1-0. So I'm going to completely contradict myself in my prediction. On the basis that my logic is almost always wrong. <laughs> I will risk a 2-0 uh, in favour of River, even when the, all of the weather forecasts, except for the official Argentinian national weather forecast. Uh, is saying that they, there will be rain uh, on, on Tuesday. How heavy is the rain going to be on Tuesday? Not so heavy, but it will be raining from Monday. Biblical Buenos Aires <laughs> rainstorms, or is it going to be? Not, uh, not at the time of the match, but uh, there will be a cumulative because it will be there will be rain if if it's right. Can, can I just Monday. say? It would be hilarious given all of the worries about oh, is the security going to be okay if this match ended up getting rained off. <laughs> Like if actually the security is absolutely fine, which also happened last year, unless we forget exactly on the first leg in La Bombonera, and yeah. I will be there after six years. I will be attending a River Plate match. Is it? Yes, it's going to be big, and we're going to be recording next. We said Wednesday earlier, but Thursday um, because Andres can't make Wednesday uh, to review that first leg. We will move on to listeners' questions now. The first was sent yesterday by F ninety five Digest, who says. Since I'm possibly travelling or sleeping when you're going to ask for this week's questions, I'll try and get my question out now. After averaging over two points per game at Godoy Cruz, and given Argentinos' current form, is Diego Dabobe Argentina's hottest managing prospect right now? He's been doing very well. Um, it's, been... it's kind of tempered by the fact that at Argentinos he succeeded Ezequiel Carboni, hmm. and at Godoy Cruz he preceded... Uh, Lucas Bernardi but as, trained, as, we mentioned, as we know a trained chimp can do a better job than either of those two but as we said earlier Argentinos are currently what, what was it third? Third. Yeah, yeah. third in the table after seven games yeah. it's not bad going no, I, I think he's, he's he's up there obviously yes. you know, Argentina's best manager right now is, is Marcelo Gachardo mm-hmm. Eduardo Codet um, is there a little bit it is, is, is and you know Gabriel Haynes and that lot are sort of Coming up, just maybe yeah. on Gachardo's coattails, uh, I think that Alfaro, for all of the cynicism that there was from many quarters, including this podcast, yeah. when he first took charge, uh, he is proving that he can do a job at a big club when there were a lot of people who said, well, you know, is he going to find Boca a little bit too big? Is, is he more of a, you know, that second tier club size Huracan, for instance, um, manager? And he's proving very good as well. But Dabove is definitely one of the more undersung managers. And Pardon? Unsung. Unsung. Unsung or yes. underrated? Yeah, yeah, thank one you. Of the two. Un- unsung is the one I was going for. Uh, he's definitely one of the more unsung managers or, or the less sung managers. Hmm. 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 Stroking chin emoji. More um, quietly sung? 
Probably because of the, the identities um, of the teams that he's taken charge of. Yeah, I remember back in, what was it, November or December when he first moved to, uh, to Argentinos. It, we all raised a collective eyebrow because we thought, so why would this guy who's doing really well in Guadalcruz, which is a big provincial side, mm. uh, about to get in the Libertadores, whatnot, um, why would he leave them to go to Argentinos, who were absolutely terrible? Because um, they were absolutely terrible when uh, Dabove took over. Yeah. He must have seen something in the team, and um, obviously he had uh, the, the McAllister clan to help him out in his early days. Most of them have moved on now, but I believe there's still one there. Uh, yeah, uh, Francis. 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 I knew it began with an F. Thank yes. you, Andres. Uh, but he's worked wonders, yeah, with very limited resources. Of course, if you're at Argentinos. You don't have that many resources. I think I'd be surprised to see Argentinos there for much longer because I think they've had a, a fairly kind start to the season. I know they've played uh, Diego Maradona's Gimnasia before Diego Maradona joined. Uh, this week, you know, newly promoted Central Córdoba at home is a game as well. Yeah, you want to be winning. Um, we'll have to see when when the kind of like the bigger teams come come rolling along if he can sustain it, but. I mean, if you're at Argentinos, the name of the game is racking up points, getting away from from the relegation zone. If you can, be looking to sneak into the Sudamericana or Libertadores and and as well on the way to, to achieving those objectives. Indeed he is. I apologise um, for a small delay, but I just clicked on one of the tabs and the incognito window that I used to log into the Handapod Twitter account. Um, when I'm at Dan's, mm-hmm. just disappeared. So I just had to quickly log in again while Dan was talking. And I was just about to bring up as well in Promiedos, which is was open in the same window, um, the relegation table to remind ourselves of how Argentinos were doing at the start of the season. Um, and I've now got it. And Argentinos are currently in the relegation table 14th with 78 points. Um, but in the whole second half, bottom half of the relegation table... They are the team with won most points so far this season. They've got 15. Lanús have got 14. Newells have got 13. Nobody else has got more than 11 below them in the table. Um, and so if we take those 15 points off, 78 minus 15 is 63. They were very much in the relegation battle at the start of the season. Yes. And he's lifted them way clear. So even if they don't manage a title challenge, Dabobe's still done, so far, a fantastic job. And he's still on track um, to to keep them well clear of that battle. Indeed. Essentially. Um, Bud Bundy says, will Mariano ever be back on the pod? He's now, not in Argentina is, uh, at the moment. Indeed he isn't. Uh, he might be. We're not ruling it out and he'll be welcome if he ever wants to come back. But he's moved to Medellin, um, which geography fans will be aware is in Colombia. It's not in Argentina. And while Conmebol think that it makes complete sense to have Argentina and Colombia co-hosting a Copa America. We won't do it in a podcast. Logistically speaking, um, Hand of Pod has a gratifying number of Patreon supporters, but we don't have enough Patreon supporters to make Mariano's commute a realistic thing for us to be able to pay for. Maybe if we didn't, if I didn't give any of you any money for like nine months, then I might be able to pay for a return flight for him to be on one episode. Yeah. Uh, but I think weighing up the pros and cons of that approach... 
No, Mariano's going to come on if and when he wants when he's back in Buenos Aires. He may be meet him halfway in Peru, something like that. Well, that would be ter- more expensive. A neutral venue. <laughs> that would involve several of us. He might be cheating. Be fun. Yes. He might be cheating on us and, and recording a podcast uh, on Colombian uh, football. Uh, based on on him, mm. he, he better not be. That would That's be so very controversial. We, we clamp down hard on unfaithfulness here yes. on the podcast. Nine moonlight in here. We we don't really, but anyway, uh, Jamie says. With Boca putting their reserves out against Newell's this weekend, and Newell's the only team in the Superliga to score in every game, will La Letra be the first team to put a goal in the Boca net on Saturday night? Uh, still not a, sure. A obligatory reminder that Boca have conceded in the Copa Argentina. Yes. Uh, but in the league, obviously, they haven't. But is not sure whether Andrada or Marcos Diaz will be the goalkeeper. If I Marcos think Diaz, because Andrada has a bit of a knock, right? After yeah. the San Lorenzo game. And also, I mean, you've got to save everybody, right? Like, Bologna is going to be playing in goal for River this weekend. Yes. So <laughs> I'd be quite surprised if Andrada starts, even if he was fit. I, I yes. think I, I'm going to say yes. I think yours will score. If there was a time to score in Spocker, it would yes. be now. The the Rodriguez 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 tandem, so good they named them three times uh, in the Newell's attack, is going to be too strong for Boca's reserve defenders. Rodriguez cubed, you're saying? Yes. yes, exactly. And by the way, I, I said I think I said the, 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 during the last episode that the, the three of them were cousins, and but Alexis and Dennis are are brothers, and the one who is the cousin is Maxi. There, I think. Uh, yes, that's yes. right. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Alexis and Dennis are, are uh, brothers of brothers. each other and cousins to Maxi Rodriguez. Yes. Yeah. Um, Tom Robinson said. Uh, Jamie has also sent in his mystic uh, predictions for this weekend, so he'll be taking me on uh, in a few minutes. Tom Robinson says, "Can the unstoppable firepower of young prospects Santiago Silva and Gabriel mm. Auche steer Argentinos towards unlikely qualification for the Libertadores?" I, I think that they're in very good shape to qualify yes. for the Sudamericana. Um, I mean, it's your classic yeah, big man. It's bit. your classic big man, little man pairing. You got to love it. It is, yeah. yeah. And, and for those of you who are new listeners and who aren't aware of the two names that we've just talked about, if you're long-term listeners, you'll be very aware of them because uh, Tom two, is being deeply sarcastic. When two Premier legends, the really. They are. Um, They've been around the block. I, I think that, that they they can get there, but I I think that probably. That the most likely is that they're going to end up in one of the Sudamericana qualification spots. Yes, agreed. In the long run, the the Fan de Auche account, Twitter account, will say that yes, they will. But yes, indeed. Uh, I, I think that once this semi-final in the Libertadores is out of the way, whoever loses, I mean, obviously, if Boca lose and end up taking the league seriously, then that could be, you know, that's the league over, <laughs> the title race. Uh, mm. If River. The team who go out, and even if River don't, you know, once once the, the Libertadores final is out of the way, River will start taking the league seriously because it will be their last chance to qualify for the twenty twenty one Libertadores. Um, and at that point, it becomes harder for everybody else to qualify. You know, at the moment, it looks like they're so, yeah because it's not they're not qualifying for next year's Libertadores. Are they not? Well, this this current league season is going to qualify teams for the. The following years, Libertadores, isn't it? The 2019-20 Superliga right. teams are going to qualify for the 2021 Libertadores via that because the 2020 Libertadores would have started by the time this current league season finishes. I think you're right. Yes, I'm definitely right, Dan. But they will have a Copa Superliga chance. 
True, it won't be their last chance, but it will be the, the, the most realistic and best chance. So what about the Copa Argentina this year? Is that for 2020 or 2021? This year's Copa Argentina is for next year's Libertadores, because it finishes before it ends. That's right. It's only the league that qualifies you for the... Yeah, oh, it's but Rio was qualified to the, to the playoffs, right? F- pardon? River was qualified for 2020 playoff. River qualified, yeah, they finished right? fifth in the in last year's yeah. Super League, in that last season's Super League, didn't they? So they're qualified for the playoff spot at the moment. Um, but again, the, the Libertadores this year is, is for that. If they win the Copa Argentina, yes. then they will get automatic qualification to the group stage. Anyway, yes. uh, the, the sooner they answer, unify all these seasons, the better. The short it's answer, in my head. the short answer, Tom is. It's going to depend on how seriously how many teams decide to, you know, if Colón, once their Sudamericana dream is over, start taking the league seriously, mm-hmm. maybe they could do something. But realistically, once River start taking the league seriously, which might be in a couple of weeks' time if they lose to Boca, or it might be in a couple of months' time if they get to the final of the Libertadores, um, then that's another team going for those spots. And I think, as I say, Argentinos, I think, are bound to fade a bit as the season wears on anyway. And I'm going to say somewhere around sixth or seventh Eighth might be a better uh, realistic bet over the course of the season for Argentinos than top four. Um, Perfect Tommy says, who are some young players who have surprised you this season? I would say surprised. players who have surprised me this season. I'm not sure surprised is quite well because we had a very good um, indicator with the combination of the under-20 World Cup followed by the Pan-American Games as to who the the hot young talents were. But Thiago Almada... Um, has been very good and as Andres said underneath me because I just carried on talking over him I apologise yeah, Andres it's okay. um, a lot of Venice's team have been mm-hmm. in really good form indeed uh, as you mentioned well he's not young young but Lucas Martinez Cuarta is really kind of taking a hold of uh, of that position in the middle of Rivers defence uh, Ezequiel Palacios and played a couple of Argentina games as well indeed in the last as did Ezequiel Palacios, who had horrible injury strife for the first half of 2019. Saw him lose his chance to go to, to Real Madrid and all that. And he's come back and he's looked absolutely fantastic so far in uh, in this little bit of the season we've seen so far. We could he also, when he wasn't injured during the first half of the year, he was quite off form. Yes. So I think one of the surprises is we knew how good he was. But it's been seeing him return to that level again. And particularly, he, he's played better in the bigger games. I mean, mm-hmm. OK, in international football terms, that Mexico friendly wasn't a very big event at all. Mm. But from his point of view, it's like, what? OK, he, he played in last year's Libertadores final, so you can't call it the biggest game of his career. But it's a pretty fucking big game. Like one of his, yes. his first, if not one of his first games for Argentina. Mm-hmm. And he, he was one of the best players on the pitch. He was. So, um, he, he seems to have a big game mentality as well. We could refer with some Boca kids who they have at, at this point at least two in every match they play. Like for example, Weigand mm. and and Capaldo. Capaldo has been very good yes. in the in the centre midfield. Yes, Weigand yeah, have been not as sold on because he seems rather erratic. I, I think he looks. Yeah, I, I would agree. Yes. I think when he looks good, he looks really good. Mm. And then mm. some games he'll, you'll think, oh, what's he doing? <laughs> There's not um, new uh, term. Be- apparently, he's a very, very nice young gentleman, though. Yeah, um, I'm, he, I'm not doubting it. Yeah, one of the guys who I think I'm not going to hold his Boca affiliation against him. I think you follow Dan. I think you might follow as well, Andres. Uh, Fede Pravel on Twitter mm-hmm. yes. is a, a River fan and, and very normally when he's t- 
being you know just tweeting generally, he's he's not too much of a terror, but sometimes he really takes the piss out of Boca. And um, Wygant started following him along with several of the other Boca youngsters mm-hmm. on. I think Instagram and he sent him a message to say hey you know I'm a River fan right and my guy was like yeah but I like the stuff that you do like, apparently he's, and, then, and then a few people um, replied to this when, when Fede mentioned it on Twitter mm. saying oh yeah my cousin knows him or something like that and yeah he's a really really nice guy yeah, yeah. does that um, count as a surprise nice. involving the youth player I'm always slightly surprised when I hear that a professional footballer is a nice guy to be honest most of them seem like people I wouldn't really want to be stuck in a lift with in my opinion Um, David Novashevsky is the person who Dan mentioned earlier who's really really happy with Fanatis and says that you should all go and subscribe to it he says does Emi Martinez have a chance for a call up for the October friendlies the short answer to that is yes he does because both Franco Armani and Esteban Andrada are not going to be called up, no. along with any other River or Boca players for those Argentina friendlies. Um, River and Boca have, have asked Argentina not to call them up. Lionel Scaloni is going to respect that. River and Boca are also asking other national teams not to call their players up, and we'll see how much that gets respected. But the upshot of it, uh, at least what we've been reading the last couple of days, is that mm-hmm. Emmanuel Martinez of Ars- Arsenal... Emiliano. Em- em- Emiliano, thank you. Um, Martinez of Arsenal de Londres, as we call them on this podcast... Um, does indeed stand a chance of getting an Argentina call up over Sergio Romero whose penalty saving exploits today <laughs> lit up the old Trafford night we, we had the good fortune to be able to watch that live on ESPN even though they didn't show the rest of the game they just went to the penalty shootout well I think we mentioned on a podcast not that long ago that um, given that Emiliano, Emiliano Martinez is a Premier League reserve goalkeeper mm. he has the perfect profile for the Argentine national team Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah. Um, nothing, nothing, nothing will stop him with that kind of background. But, yeah, I mean, the short answer to the question is yes. Andres, you know, about the other federations that you said, um, apparently Carlos Queiroz, the, the, the coach of Colombian national gonna team... Are going to play him? Uh, was, Are yeah. going to play him in goal? No, no, he, he was... Uh, was <laughs> he, he called up Borre for the uh, previous uh, call-up and, and they are praying... Praying the, him not to, or, or they are praying for him not to call up for the definite uh, call up because, uh, well, River has that that problem of the injuries, injured players with Prato that he probably won't be uh, uh, able to to be in the first uh, semi final. Yeah. So they are like. Okay, no, please don't call him up. <laughs> I, I think if if I were an international football manager, and obviously you know, I'm not. Um, but if I were, then I'd, I'd, I'd be inclined to just, especially for a game this big, but you know, just generally, to, to sort of go with what the clubs would prefer you to do most of the time for friendlies in the season. You say it's, that, but, um, but like, I, I do quite... realise that you know, it, all of the clubs then would just like for November friendlies, everybody would be like, no, we don't want to release these players. <laughs> You'd end up having to field an under twelve team. You, there, there has to be a line somewhere. But definitely, if you've got. The Libertadores semi-finals, for instance. If I was managing a South American side, then I would just say, OK, this FIFA break is very, very close to the, this round of the Libertadores. It's the semi-finals. I'm not going to call up anybody from any of the four teams involved in the semi-finals. You know who doesn't agree? Go on. Uh, Brazil, who have four Flamingo and Grêmio players in their squad. This is another reason why I think whoever gets out of the All-Argentine semi-final is going to be favourite ah, semi I see. I because see. of this kind of, like, come on, I mean, just be <laughs> realistic. How many players have Brazil got to call up? And you, yet you still insist on calling up 
you, you mean four in total rather than four from Flamengo or four from two Flamengo. of each yeah. right I mean, which is fair I guess at least yeah and at least they've done it two yeah. and two rather than three and one or something and I think they're also playing in Singapore or Japan so it's not like you know they're playing around the corner yeah that's a long old flight no exactly Singapore. I mean, can you imagine if, if that was the case here and Scaloni called up let's say three I said this players. on Twitter he would you would see both fan bases miraculously joined together to rip Scaloni out of his home and hang him by his neck in uh, if he called up two and two but if he called up say three Boca players and one River player then all the Boca players would be going oh this is because the AFA is, is a River fans and if it was the other way and around, all the River, River fans players. would be going ah but how are you going to pick more Boca players and River players exactly. who are better the AFA Bostera and the AFA Gallina and all that yes. stuff precisely uh, David also says by the way I use the code for Fanatis TV underscore EN which is the Fanatis English language Twitter account it's excellent thanks for the heads up you're welcome. So that's a good excuse to remind you of that code. Go to www.fmtz.co slash HOP and use the discount code HOPFZ. Or if you're in the United States, HOPFZ. Uh, that will give you a seven day free trial followed by 20% off your first three months with Fanatis. Go and do it now. Darren Paul says, "Do you see that Pulpo? Uh, sorry, do you see Pulpo Gonzalez being able to operate successfully in the number five role? He's less defensive than a traditional number five, but with the range of passing, maybe as a doble cinco. I think that's the right term. It is, Darren. Well done. We discussed it on our pod last night. He's talking about the Racing in English podcast. Um, sorry, the, the Racing Club UK podcast as a potential solution. Darren, um, yeah, sure. He's played there before, I think." For Lanús, he played um, that kind of uh, withdrawn role. So, yeah. I think he's within his arena. I think, yeah. I don't, I don't think he'd be angry at having to play that role. Indeed. Yeah. Um, and Darren also says, how can anyone think that they're going to stop racing with the combo of Juncos, Menendez and Flor Romero? Our women's team will be champions of Argentina. Um, I hadn't thought that I must admit I think How do you thought that? I mean I, I think it, I, I'm not actually that up to date With who has gone where With the Churn In, in squads That has been A result of The first Professional contracts Being handed out In the women's league I do think that Racing are, are going to be Further up the table Than they were last season They seem to have put together A, a strong side from Where were they last season? Obviously. Ooh, that's a good question they weren't in the top three, so right. certainly, because the top three were Wajorquiza, Boca and River, I think, in that order. Um, but um, but Wajorquiza and Boca, I think they are, they are the, uh, at least for the results. They, so they look yes. yeah, a little way, as we will discuss on Hannapod Extra in a little while. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I, I think the Racing are going to be one of the better teams, but I, I, th- I still think it's Wajorquiza to lose the Women's Championship this season. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway... On that note, here's Mystic Sam. Okay, here we go. I can't tell you how I did last week because I left a bit of paper which had my predictions scribbled on it at home. Sorry. But this week I have a challenger. It's Jamie. And he's going for, and I'm going for, the following results. Aldo Sibi versus Union. Both of us are going for a draw. Don't watch that again. Patronato versus Lanús. Both of us are going for a Lanús win. Probably don't watch that again. Yeah. Arsenal de Sarandí versus Estudiantes. Both of us are going for an Arsenal win. It's getting to be a pattern here. 
Gymnasia versus Riber Reserves. Uh, I don't know how much Jamie has uh, given this too much thought, um, but he's going for a River win. I, after leaving it till last, because I wanted to consider it a bit, also think that River are going to get a win. Um, even though they're not going to be taking it that seriously. Uh, such is Gymnasia's luck and indeed quality at the moment. Boca versus Newell's Old Boys. Finally, this is one that we don't agree on. Jamie's going for a draw. I'm throwing a few cats among the pigeons. I'm going to go for a Newell's Old Boys win based on, as already identified, the fact that Boca are going to be fielding an all-reserve side. Banfield versus San Lorenzo. I'm first of all going to say I think this should be one of the more entertaining games of the weekend. Um, we're both going for a San Lorenzo victory. Huracan versus Atletico Tucumán. Jamie thinks is a draw. I think that that's an Huracan win. Belis Sarsfield versus Defensa y Justicia. We're both going for Belis to win that one, as Dan remarked when I was reading the fixtures out, noting down my predictions. Shouldn't be a very close game, that one. Central versus Racing. Jamie's going for a draw. I think that Racing will win. Another attractive match. Yeah. Independent, and as we said, it's the Colbert Derby and... The Diego Coca Derby. The Coca Derby. Bringing together well. Racing's last two championship winning coaches. Indeed it is. Independiente versus Tacheres. We both think will be an Independiente win. Central Cordoba de Santiago del Estero versus Godoy Cruz. Jamie's going for a Central Cordoba win. I think it will be a draw. And Colón versus Argentinos is the only game where we're going for completely opposite results. Jamie says Colón will win, and I say Argentinos will win. Some of that might be have to do with how hungover Colón are, depending on their result on Thursday night, of course. We shall wait and see. There are some, as you've remarked early on when I was reading out the fixtures down, some games which you really probably shouldn't watch this weekend. Yes. But there are also some more than entertaining looking ones. Yeah. I think Banfield, San Lorenzo, Vélez versus Defensa, Central Racing, Independiente Tacheres, Colón Argentinos, I think could be better than expected as well on Monday night. Um, potentially, Gimnasia versus River. I mean, it's getting a bit old now to just pull out the Maradona cam as TNT Sports are doing yeah. every game. But Maradona say, against watch this one because yeah. Maradona's going to be on the sidelines. Maradona against River though. But it's no exactly. love loss No, exactly. And, and also, I mean, Okay, it's going to be River's reserves, but if they're actually up for it and they're still capable of playing good football, yes. and it it could be a bit, you know, it could level the playing field a little bit as well. The fact it's that very it's possible. Yes. But you you're, you should uh, watch the Maradona camp in, on your computer and the match in the TV. I mean, yeah, we can. Yes. Everybody abroad, you can get the <laughs> the match on on Fanatis, of course. fntzco slash hop. If you have two laptops, you can put HOP, two together, yeah. And then on the or, or if you just know how to tile windows in your browser. Stick them next to each other oh. and have the Maradona camera, which is available for free on YouTube uh, <laughs> via TNT Sports uh, YouTube channel. But they um, don't sponsor us, so we're not going to talk much about that. No, they don't. But it's free. If they want to, so, you know, they're welcome. You can watch it if you want to. Yes. Um, anyway, on that note, now we're going to start recording Handapod Extra about the first weekend of the Primera Femenina. If you want to listen to it, then get over to patreon.com slash uh, no, not slash HRP, slash Hand of Pod. Um, and sign up for that and give us money please do it means a lot to us yes um, and in the meantime though for now from this main episode thank you and goodbye from Andres thank you goodbye English down goodbye and thank you very much for listening and me goodbye and thank you